Oh, we made it. We made it. Right. Episode 10. Here we are. Driving in my car. On my way to my day job. It's 2020. Happy New Year to you all. I hope the festive period, whatever it is that you do, was good and enjoyable and it bring, brought you the happiness you were hoping and if not, well, it's always today to make things and make things right. So uh, take the first steps and get there because you can do it, right? That's what this is all about. This is why I stream, this is why I podcast, this is why I do the stuff I do. It's because I am challenging myself to do things that I didn't believe I could do. And it's getting to be a little bit surprising on what I can do. So the review of 2019, I didn't meet some of the things I set out in the year. And I don't know if that was me just being over ambitious, lack of ambition to get things completed, all that sort of stuff. I don't know, I don't know. Um, Eyes bigger than your belly, as they say. So that could have been a, that could have been a fatal flaw for me. Um, But yeah. Okay, so this podcast is likely to be the very last that I do in the car because I said that in uh, 10 episodes this was just to get me podcasting getting things you know published and effectively to start my journey of podcasting Um, the fact that you guys have been listening to me I am super super grateful for and you know this is a little bit of an experiment one of which I'm probably going to continue but we will be looking at upping the audio and production quality um, and also the content on the podcast. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to fold into my content deployment strategy that I'm putting together this month, uh, the month of January. So by the end of the month, I'm going to have a content uh, deployment strategy that I'm going to start putting out more and more content on various different platforms with the view of um, growing a community or annexing a community you know I, I see I see them make a community in the US and I don't really see a maker community in the UK I could be completely wrong and I'm just unaware of it. It's a little bit of a, I'm a muggle in that respect. Uh, but for me, I, I don't see, I mean, we have make affairs, but this they're on a very small scale. Um, so I think what I'd like to try and do is, I probably want to get into a community of makers, share, collaborate, um, and possibly look to do some projects that inspire people to, to, to 
you know, become part of the community or if that's not what they want to do and there's a very short-term goal for an individual, actually set them on a path where they can actually achieve something they didn't believe that they could possibly do. Um, so, yeah, that's the, that's, the, that's the sort of plan sort of plan I don't know if make a community the maker community is that big in Europe generally speaking because I think about this logically um, I believe Laura Kampf is uh, from Germany if I'm, if, if I'm off if my geography's off I apologize profusely um, but I see Laura involved in a lot of the US uh, maker movement and I don't see a huge amount of like interaction with anything in Europe so again I might be a muggle I might be missing content I might be you know so in my thing blinkered that I'm not seeing it but um, so yeah that's that's pretty much that's pretty much where I'm going with that uh, it, it's a case of I just want to I want to find out whether or not I'm just the only weirdo uh, <laughs> but I don't know whether or not the maker community is, is is a good fit for me because well maybe it is maybe I'm just maybe I'm I don't know my so so my appetite for making isn't specific to one thing uh, I like making all sorts of things I I like the creation of something be that piece of content a thing uh, code you know it, it's a picture you know the whole thing I, I love as the, all, the, all, the, the aspects of one minute there isn't something and the next minute there is if any of you who have followed me on the various social platforms or on Twitch will know that you know I like 3D printing. So I like taking a design from my head, putting it in the computer, and then have a machine turn that into a physical thing. The digital fabrication side of things has really opened up my creativity. You know, it's a funnel for me to actually take something in my head and make it a physical reality because working with my hands, I'm not very proficient. Um, but I do want to get into woodworking. I do want to make uh, cabinets. I do want to put shelving units in that don't jam up and all that sort of stuff. Currently, I can't. Um, I've attempted. I've had varying degrees of success from daily to <laughs> insignificant. I don't know. I don't know how to scale it. But I would not exactly proud of my not exactly proud of my woodworking achievements. Let's just put it that way. Um, but yeah, I'd like to get into woodworking. I'd like to get into metalworking, welding, fabrication, uh, sand casting. Now, sand casting um, is something I, I, I really do like uh, the idea of, especially coupled with 3D printing, because I can do pattern making with the 3D printer and then do. Um, the sand casting and then potentially I can do um, 
actually I can then do some metal working um, such as milling turning that sort of stuff on things that I have sandcasted to either clean them up or um, fit holes which you don't normally cast uh, that sort of stuff so yeah it's um, it, I have a wide range of interests in, in that scope so I'm a bit weird in that respect really uh, to say the least but anyway I digress um, so this podcast uh, I just want to do a quick review of my current work um, I'm working on my cheap deck version 2 so for those of you who are unaware I stream on Twitch and I use a piece of software called OBS the open broadcast software uh, it is open source and it is free to download and use to broadcast video audio content to various different platforms be that YouTube uh, Twitch mixer various different um, very diff- various different platforms and you have a series of scenes like you have on a TV program where a camera will change angle or you know it will cut from one thing to the next you have these scenes in OBS and I use these scenes to demonstrate for example when I'm working on my computer when I'm working at a bench and often you know you can check you change the scenes by clicking a mouse button and it's a very cumbersome sort of process as a standalone thing now yes you can create shortcut keys um, for your keyboard but there's a couple of risks with shortcut keys especially if you're doing computer-based work which is if you have a key combination that duplicates in one program to another you could accidentally change the scene mid-flow um, so it's not ideal so cheap deck is a little bit of tongue-in-cheek poking fun at uh, a company called Elgato Elgato make the stream deck um, it's quite it's essentially it's a button box um, there's three different versions um, there's a small version medium version and a large version the medium version came out first then they brought out the large version and I think they also brought it and, and there are different price points um, I think the small version runs in around about 70 pounds UK so you know it's not a cheap piece of equipment so what I decided to do was to challenge myself to make a version of this box that I could use to change my scenes and cheap deck was uh, the El Stevo cheap deck <laughs> um, is was born uh, or certainly the concept of it was born and essentially what it was was a, a way of making a button box as cheaply as possible and teach myself some new skills at the same time um, because what I find is if you have a real-world example of something you want to make that you uh, that you can't currently do you don't have the current skill set you have to do some investigation you have to do some learning to achieve your goal and when you finish the project you're much further on 
in that process of learning and understanding than you were at the beginning. And you have a new skill which you can transfer onto the next project. So there are small computer chips or boards that you can get. Uh, they're called microcontrollers and you can program those and get them to do things. So these, the, the, you, you, the programs that you write for them can can range from something that just stays internal to the to the microcontroller, or you can actually output data to a screen. Um, you can have buttons to input data in or actions. So they're quite versatile little things, and you can they they. they they have a multitude of applications uh, and they are built on a platform called Arduino which effectively is uh, a programming layer that sits on top of the, the, the microcontroller that allows you easy access in otherwise you've got to learn like a complex programming language um, you can use pretty much, I think it's a C, C++ style language to program the, 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 the boards, which sounds, which sounds to, you know, to the uninitiated, a, like a bit of a headache, right, to, to, to try and figure that stuff out, but the reality is that um, it's not that bad, not when you ease yourself in with a, once you understand the logic of the language the most part. I think the most difficult thing for me to account for at the moment is the different variable types and uh, so variables are containers that you put information in so you'll have one for numbers that don't have a decimal place, you'll have one with numbers that do have a decimal place, you'll have ones for letters, you'll have ones for uh, sentences and they all can be um, they, they all have different parameters so that getting my head around those and how to use them properly you know I'm kind of I, I do feel a little bit like the monkey bashing the typewriter um, getting the, 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 the works of Shakespeare but I'm learning I'm learning I can't be too harsh on myself because I'm getting results so um, so I, I, I essentially the first version of Cheap Deck uh, was a just a very simple keyboard um, interface. So I used a, a board, a microcontroller called an Arduino Pro Micro, and it has the ability to masquerade as a keyboard or a human interface device for a PC. And what I was able to do was to set up a keypad of buttons. I think there's um, somewhere in the region of 20 some odd buttons on this box. And essentially, uh, the buttons map to key combinations that I cannot replicate on my keyboard. So for example, across the top of your, most keyboards, you have F1 to F12. But what people don't realize is that there are more function keys than what actually um, on the majority of the keyboards. Older keyboards or specialist keyboard will have them if you specifically look for that type of keyboard. But you can go from F13 to F24. So there's another 12 uh, function buttons 
So that doesn't account for the 20 some odd buttons that I've got. But if I include things like uh, control keys and other characters on the keyboard that are available to me and make that a combination. So when I press one button, it does three button presses effectively. Um, I can create a combination of keystrokes that I can use as a um, hotkey to switch my scenes with, uh, without the risk of me accidentally creating that combination on my keyboard by using other applications shortcuts because I can't physically replicate them on that keyboard. And that's tethered to the PC via uh, a USB cable. So that was, that was the concept of version one. Um, it was in a 3D printed enclosure and I got a bunch of LEDs on there that tell me the state of, say for example, whether I'm streaming or if I have a uh, mute of my microphone or particular scene selected, I can, I can see all of that data through these LED indicators. So the view was always going to be that Cheap Deck V2 was going to be a wireless device and I was going to wear this wireless device on my forearm very much like a, a gladiator's bracer uh, if, if you if you want to think of it like that so a bracer that fits on my forearm that has some sort of display on it to show me information about my stream it'll show me information about um, show me information about uh, the scenes that I've got available to me to select and yeah it's uh, that was that's that's the concept of version 2 so last night I uh, completed a stream whereby I used an e-ink display not an LCD display uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, e-readers such as uh, the Nook or the um, Kindle from Amazon and uh, not the internet enabled one for watching videos and movies we're talking the thing that looks like a, 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 a tablet that has paper and you you know as a screen and effectively I used an e-ink display because because this is a wireless device I want to be conservative with power so my view is an e-ink display because it only updates small portions of the screen or you load an image on it and you turn the power off to it and that image remains on that display until such time as you take it off. Um, so yeah, there's, um, there's that display and on, that, on the stream last night, that's where I was going, uh, on the stream last night, I was able to, number one, show my Wi-Fi signal. I got a little Wi-Fi icon in the top corner. And that's animated so that as the signal strength changes, the display actually shows fewer bars on the Wi-Fi signal. So I know when I'm running out of uh, my, my Wi-Fi, my, and typically I'll be in, in, in my workshop streaming right next to the router so that'll always be high but I have a workshop outside which um, I've got my workshop outside has got my laser 
unit and my laser cutter in it. So I'll go out there and do some streaming from there. And that essentially then, um, you know, is on the fringes of my Wi-Fi range. So I'll be able to tell whether I'm connected or not. The second thing it shows me is my microphone status and whether or not I'm muted or not, which is always good. Uh, I've got an icon to show me that I'm live streaming. I've got an icon to show that I'm recording. Uh, and I've also got a time code. So the time code tells me how long I've been streaming and that increments every couple of seconds. Um, so it's not an instant ticker of of how long we've been live, but it's, it's sufficient enough to, to give me a, a good indication of how long I've been online. Uh, and I also display information around the current scene that I've got selected. And uh, it's been a bit of a journey. My code looks absolutely terrible. Anybody who is a programmer would probably want to vomit looking at it. Um, so, you know, it's a work in progress and I will be rewriting the code to simplify it, improve it, um, to make it look neater, to comment it, which is a big thing, right? If you're, if you're writing code, one thing I cannot profess enough or shout about enough is commenting your code. If you comment your code, if you have problems later and you're trying to figure, it, figure out the problem, also known as debugging, um, you have to scroll through your code and find where the problem lies. Now, if it's just a, a bunch of, you know, programming statements, uh, it's can be some, it can be cumbersome trying to find where your problem lies and to read through the logic. However, if you comment your code, it doesn't affect the program but it gives a human eye uh, context about what that code is attempting to do. So if you label things in terms of the logic of what you're trying to achieve, then you can skim through your code and find the section that's broken and fix it. And let's say, for example, you take this on as a day job. You might, it's, it's all well and good you being an individual writing code because, hey, it's my code. I know how this works. But if you work for a company and you're programming, you break, something breaks, someone's gonna have to come behind you and figure out what was going on in your head at the time you were writing this code. Now, the only, the only way I can, I, can, um, I can get this point across, I've experienced this myself as a, as a sole programmer, when, I've done programming in the past and I've been drunk and the coding went well, it all worked. And then the following day I went back into, and bearing in mind this is for personal, this is not a day job thing, okay? I'm not a professional programmer, <laughs> so don't think I go to work drunk. I'm at home programming on a personal project. Um, <laughs> so so I'm, I'm, the following day I'm sober and I'm reading through my code and I know this stuff works because I'm getting the results on the web pages that I'm looking at and I'm thinking what the hell is this doing I have no clue and I hadn't commented the code 
Um, it was just literally raw programming statements. So I can't, I cannot um, recommend if you're new to programming, get into the habit of commenting your code. So with Cheap Vet Deck V2, the the next steps that I've got is I've got to figure out a menu system for the message area of the display. I've got to figure out how many pixels wide I've got. So the display is only something in the region of, I think it's 250 pixels wide by 122 pixels high. So I've got to figure out, I've got to figure out how I'm gonna build the menu and what functions I want the, the, the menu system to have. So I know I need a, a, a list of scenes that I can select to switch to and from, but I also want to be able to um, se- select scene elements. So for example, um, I have a, an overlay on my scene which shows me um, my tip cup and is an animation if somebody uh, follows or subscribes or does something I get I get something happen in the tip cup uh, a little token drops into it there's a bit of an interactivity for the for the viewing audience to, to recognize what's just happened um, I've got my uh, webcam showing my face I've got uh, a desktop a computer screen desktop so I can show my computer screen and I've got various different little components but what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to switch those things on and off so I've got to display those items and not all of the items I want uh, in there yeah I don't want all of those items sorry I'm just thinking through the logic of what I'm trying to say um, so there's certain things in there that I don't want to switch on and off so for example my mixer which is effectively my audio device I don't want to turn that on and off like that I want to be able to mute the mixer but not turn it on and off um, so yeah there's certain there's certain worker scene elements that will never have the requirement to turn on or off so though i've got to find a way of 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 blocking those out i've got to find a way of presenting that on the screen and i've also got to figure out how i'm going to get access to uh, the scene information so how do i select the scenes so yeah i've got a bit of thinking to do um I think I think I've got a plan for for what I'm for, for just talking this through. I've just had a couple of ideas just pop up into my head. So as soon as I get into the office, I'm gonna have to jot those down before they fade away into the ether. Um, but yeah, Cheap Deck V2 is coming on real nice. So once I've done the the, the menu system, um, I'm gonna have to find some way of actually interacting with the unit which means bringing in some sort of button keypad 
menu, you know, menu selection buttons, that sort of thing. Um, the just again thinking the logic through here in my head. Also trying not to crash my car. Um, so yeah, the the thing for me is I've got to I've got to figure out how I'm going to press buttons and do all that sort of stuff. I don't have any buttons at the moment that I can prototype with. So what I'm thinking about doing is possibly picking up a keypad, like a nine, twelve button keypad, something like that, just as an analog for. The button presses. So once we've got all this prototyping done, we then got to move on to the actual building of the unit. So I've got to I've got to build the bracer, and then once I build the bracer, uh, in terms of the so so this is going to be a layered bracer. So there's going to be a base layer, which will hold the buckles of the unit. Uh, and it'll hold it to my forearm. And once I have that, I will then be able to determine um, the next steps in terms of the physical attributes of the electronics. So where are the circuits going to go? How are they going to attach to? How are they going to attach to the leather unit? And then there'll be a wrap, a leather wrap, or a wet leather formed. Uh, item over the top and I've also got to source some leather that's going to be interesting so I might look for some creative uh, some creative locations for, for leather uh, for this particular purpose so that's where I'm at with Cheat Deck V2 there's a lot done I'm super proud of where I'm at and I'm really, really energized to, to get this up and working. Um, I just can't wait. I just cannot wait. It's going to be so cool. Right then. So I'm, I am about to arrive at my place of work. So that brings the po it's bringing the podcast to an end. I'd like to thank everybody who's got to this point on the last episode of this season I really appreciate the time that you've taken to listen to my ramblings I hope I've brought you some value I hope I've given you different things to think about with regards to your projects get in touch uh, if you're interested uh, or if you have any questions if you have any questions yeah by all means shoot me a, an email uh, at steve at theiqworkshop.com um, try not to crash try not to crash and as I say season 2 we will be upping the production value I'm going to take a little bit of a break before season 2 just to get my ducks in a row and get the uh, just get everything up and running 
so that I can give you guys the best quality content I can. So, right, this is me signing off for episode 10, end of season. Thank you so much, guys. Until the next podcast, until the next time I see you on social, until the next time I see you on Twitch, have fun, be safe, and I will see you soon.